There is no one way to make a clone. In force, very different each one of you are. We're just clones, sir. We're meant to be expendable. You Jedi show too much compassion. Welcome to the Star Wars Brothers Podcast. I'm Cliff Boyd, and I'm here with John Boyd. Good morning. And Drew Shepard. Or good evening, wherever you are. (laughs) (laughs) This is a podcast, so we don't actually know when people are listening. We've covered our bases. So we are going to dive right into it. We're talking about uh, the next few arcs of the Clone Wars that follow the movie. And, uh, oh, actually, I did want to mention, did y'all see in the news that there is a rumor that Anakin Skywalker is going to be in the Obi-Wan series they're coming out with on Disney Plus, and that Hayden Christensen is going to play the role? Oh, I didn't see that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of of pumped about it. Hope he's got uh, some acting lessons. (laughs) 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 Um, But... uh, uh, but I think that'll be pretty. I'm I'm pumped about all the Disney Plus stuff. It's just so awesome. I uh, love what they're doing. Uh, good for Star Wars fans. All right, so we're going to talk about. Um, I would say like three and two thirds, or two and two thirds of an arc today. Um, we watched uh, episode. We started with episode three hundred one, which is part one of a three part saga. I guess you would say. That follows the. It was was it the Delta Squad? Is that what what they were calling themselves? The Dom wasn't it Domino? Domino, squad? maybe Domino Squad. Domino Squad sounds right. Yeah, no, I thought I, I guess I got the D right. Um, Domino Squad, and that is the, uh, the the little clone unit. So they are the first and the last episodes that we watched are parts one and two of their arc, but they chronologically that that arc doesn't all follow at the same time. Um, the events that you know, surround the things that that little unit goes through are spanned over three different episodes. And so I think we, we watched the third part of that either next week or the, or the week after. I, I don't remember. But we saw the first two parts for this. And, uh, and then in between, there were two different arcs. Uh, and those arcs were the Toydaria duology, which is episodes 303 and 101, uh, Supply Lines and Ambush. And then the Malevolence Trilogy. I keep trying to say Malvolence. Is that also a pronunciation of it? In the episode, they kept saying Malevolence, but I think last week I said Malvolence, and I don't know. Uh, um, I think you said it wrong last week. I must have just said <laughs> it. Uh, so Malevolence. Um, what is Malvolence something, too? Malvolence is something. Malvolence. I've not heard that word, but... I don't know. I made it up. I'll make, I'll make a new definition, patented or something. The Malvolence trilogy or excuse me <laughs> malevolence <laughs> trilogy <laughs> uh episodes 102 103 and 104 rising malevolence shadow of malevolence and destroy malevolence and then again part two of the domino squad is called rookies so let's start out talking about episode 301 clone cadets uh in this episode we follow a little clone unit consisting of i think five members and i'm not going to remember all of their names um let's see we had fives we had heavy um help me out cut up cut up yep echo echo and droid bait so these five some of some were more memorable than others i cheated i looked on the wikipedia page (laughs) the wikipedia page um uh, at the end there 
some of these are more important than others. But anyway, they're going through training. They're, they're horrible, right? They can't work together. They're all kind of in for themselves. They're not coordinating well and they keep failing their training. There are two bounty hunters that the Jedi have hired to oversee their training, I guess, and sort of decide what the fate of these clone troops are and whether or not they're fit to uh, move on to active duty service, I guess. And, uh, and then there was a Jedi, her name was Shakti. And then the two, uh, the two bounty hunters were Brick and um, uh, is it LS, LS, Elise? I don't know. Uh, but those were the two bounty hunters that were sort of responsible for their training. They struggle. And by the end of it, they kind of come around and are able to pull it all together because they are motivated by, uh, did y'all catch the name of the clone, the old clone that motivated them? 99. 99. And I think he's going to, I think maybe he plays a role, um, plays a more significant role in this series going forward. I get that feeling that we're going to see 99 again. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, but I think I don't think this is the last we've seen of ninety nine. I get that impression. Okay, what y'all what y'all think about this episode? Can I just jump right in since we just touched on ninety nine and just start talking about him? Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. What in the world is going on there? It's like Frankenstein's yeah. monster or Igor. I, I don't know. Uh, I had three thoughts, like three lines of thought with ninety nine. Okay, either one is this like an accident from birth, like a clone error. Was he intentionally made this way or is this some sort of injury? Um, because at one point in the episode, they did mention that failed clones who basically were kicked out of boot camp, not considered good enough, get sent off to um, cleaning and maintenance. So I'm like, okay, that makes sense. You know, maybe the genetic material wasn't as good at this stage. And so, you know, some have to do other things, but there was something definitely, he didn't just look old. He looked like, deformed and i don't know if there if y'all knew any backstory was there any backstory that we know of yet on 99 or if i just missed it or what well there's some clues in the episode one of the things that he said at one point he was trying to motivate heavy he got he got the uh, inkling that heavy was about to go awol and run off because he was so frustrated at, at his unit failing all the time and he he sort of gave heavy the pep top talk out of it and one of the things that he said to motivate him was, hey, you got a chance. I never got a chance, but you got a chance to make it. And so, uh, um, so there was that. There was something that one of the Kaminoites said. They mentioned bad batches, that sometimes there are bad batches of clone. And that's sort of what you were referring to, Drew. And then I think this was maybe a conversation between one of the Kaminoites. I don't know if they're Kaminoites or not, if that's the right way to say it. But the Kaminoites, and I think Go we were talking it. to... Sure. <laughs> Were they maybe talking to a Jedi or something? And he said something, uh, he was talking about how, I don't remember if it was this episode or a different one, but he was talking about how they were not, uh, they, like the Jedi were too caring. Like they, they cared too much about the clones and that the Kaminoites, you know, obviously didn't have that attitude, or at least that particular Kaminoite uh, did not have that attitude. And here's, here's, one, here's the biggest thing that got me. He said, there's no one way to make a clone. So we were talking, I think about last week, how different clones have different ability levels and different personalities a little bit and different, uh, a little bit different looks and, and things. And, and they, they're definitely functioning as individuals. It's because they, you know, we, obviously they are, they're human. Uh, just because you have the same DNA doesn't mean you're the same, but they also are as part of it, sort of an experimental clone creation process 
uh, that is ongoing that they're continually trying to improve on. It seems like, and uh, th- it wasn't in this episode, but in the next iteration of the clone uh, of of this arc, they said something to the effect of, "What was it?" Um, one of the clones said to the other clone, "Leave him alone." They kept him in his ju- they kept him in his growth jar too long. Yeah. <laughs> I was like growth jar. I mean, I guess it makes sense. They're cloning and other than uh, pastry dishes and jars initially, but man, I am uncomfortable with this clone army and more and more as I learn about it. Yeah. And my fear is that they're going to make a lot of references to it and then never actually address the moral hangup, but we'll see. I sure hope they do. I really think the Jedi are, are acting messed up here and uh, that it's not okay, and that if the the series doesn't address it, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. So, so to me, it kind of it, it makes me not feel as bad about Order sixty six already. I'm like, well, maybe some of them were were like kind of happy to go ahead and kill off the Jedi, right? <laughs> so, but like now they get what's coming to them. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll explore it a little bit, but really in this episode, uh, the whole, uh, they mentioned that basically since Django Fett had died, they were having more trouble with the clones, making them those good batches. And so I kind of liked that, uh, or since Django Fett had left something along those lines. Right. Uh, Yeah. They didn't have like fresh DNA or something. Right. So, so it's more impure. It's, it's harder to make those, those good. Maybe they don't have the, like you said, the fresh DNA. And so that was really, uh, I mean, I really liked that. A good way to explain why they've basically been struggling with training these clones like they have in the past. So let me ask y'all a question then. So clearly there are um, trooper clones, like the ones that we are seeing the majority of. But with some of the other episodes we've seen, and even in this one, we see that there's definitely other roles. So um, there's ones that fly the battleships, some that are just, you know, I guess, doubles for lack of a better term you know just walking around doing other random tasks so it's it's a we don't get the answer not that i know of but at some point when do they say okay this batch is designated to be more um flying the ships versus you will be on the ground clones i mean and then the different type of training how it would separate the different types of clones that they would engage in in different ways Sure. Obviously, there's something going on where they they either either you know identify which ones have different strengths and weaknesses, or maybe just condition them that way. You know, uh, you're, yeah, you're right. You've got the heavy gunners. You've got the guys that are more strategic. Um, there's definitely a lot of skill differences between the different units. Another thing about the clone culture, <laughs> I, I should have written down the exact quote, but it was something like one of them was talking about girls. And then one of the other one of the other clones is like, "You've never seen a girl." <laughs> uh, rule number one from the episode. Rule number one: said, You broke rule number one. <laughs> like never leave a man behind. Was that it? Yeah, that's what it was because they were okay. in a training exercise and they failed it automatically because that one of the guys went down and they left him there and just all the droids in the training exercise shut down and they, uh, I think it was Rex came out and, and ridiculed them for it. So. Um, did we have Rex and Cody in this episode? Didn't they both come in? Or maybe that was maybe that wasn't Rex and Cody. Maybe that was just. Uh, I know I they're remember. in part two. Yeah, they are in part two for sure. So maybe that was. Uh, maybe I'm just remembering wrong. But, but yeah, that was their automatic failure. Um, did y'all like the bounty hunters? I did, um, no. but 
I, I want to get y'all's impression of Brick um, and his action. The way he was he the the mean one. He was the brain dude. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, you don't have a covering for your brain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the guy that was stealing, you know, the the ascension cables at the final exam. What do y'all think oh, of okay. his yeah. actions? Like, do you think he was justified in doing that and trying to make them really come together as a team, or do you just think he was just being a plain jerk? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, he he obviously felt justified. Uh, in my mind, a, a bounty hunter would be a lot worse than him. the bounty hunters we've seen from from other Star Wars movies, um, you know. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I think he was he was justified just on the fact that he's a bounty hunter. And I'm surprised he didn't just like tear some of them to bits from for not uh, not performing right. So all a bounty hunter, I mean, bounty hunters are around even in our culture today, and it's not necessarily something that's wrong to do. It's people that go and, and uh, hold people accountable that the law isn't basically, I guess, willing or have the resources to go after. Obviously, in this, uh, you know, in a legal sense anyway, uh, bounty hunters can have some legal authority. I've gotten lost on a couple of YouTube, you know, you get in those random YouTube holes and you you find something neat and it's video after video of this thing. And I found one of this bounty hunter that like goes and like brings people in <laughs> and has legal authority to do it as a bounty hunter um, uses rubber bullets. You know, he's just an, a, a citizen that goes after other American citizens that uh, are not in the right legally that the law just doesn't, doesn't want to go after. So and he, and he has some legal authority to do that. So again, I don't know all the details of that, but bounty hunters aren't necessarily evil. They, we've always seen them as evil, uh, at least until the Mandalorian, right? He's a pretty cool guy. Um, but uh, uh, in general, like bounty hunters, I don't think is, is a default bad job. And, and I think we see that in the other bounty hunter, the guy with the stars, the star mm-hmm. eyes, you know, uh, he's pretty good, pretty cool dude. Um, but I did think it was, it was interesting to see the Jedi working with bounty hunters like that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like it. I didn't like that. The Jedi worked with bounty hunters, uh, I feel like every bounty, I, I get American society, our, our bounty hunters shoot rubber bullets, uh, but that's not our Star Wars where Vader has to turn to Boba Fett and says, no disintegrations. Or <laughs> uh, but, you know, and so that's the bounty hunter I'm, I'm comfortable with in the Star Wars world. And that's why okay. I'm not comfortable with these bounty hunters, especially the starry eyed guy. Like, you, you're not a bounty he was way too nice. He was way too nice. You were way too nice to these guys. Um, when he and, gets his bounties in, he just sort of talks into it. He goes up. Right, and he's like, right. Think about it this way. If you come in. <laughs> if a bounty hunter is that nice, I feel like I'm about to get vaporized in the Star Wars universe. You're like, come closer, come closer. <laughs> you like the, did you like the Jedi? Uh, Shock T? Uh-huh. I don't I remember that much about her. her. Just, yeah. Yeah. She's like, no, you can't join Delta Squad or whatever the other squad was. You have to teamwork. So. I kind of liked her uh, her stance on Brick when he, whenever he took away the Ascension cables and the one bounty hunter was upset. She's like, oh, well, you know, I just thought she had a really level head about it and just, just liked the way that she handled that situation and yeah. didn't really take sides, but um, but just sort of was like, hey, we're going to let it, we're going to just see what happens here. Okay. Anything else uh, about this episode before we move on? I guess uh, there were a couple of animation things I didn't love. Um, I just, some of it seemed really stiff. I particularly noticed it with 99. I think I've, I've heard people say that the animation gets better as the series goes on. So I'm looking forward to not having to be distracted by 
just sort of a stiff, stilted animation. And I'm still having a hard time telling the clones apart. Uh, they're giving them different names. They're giving them some distinct personality, personalities, but I'm having to focus really hard to be able to tell one clone from another here. Okay, so we have this, uh, this next arc, the Toy Daria duology. And the first episode of that, episode 303, involved uh, Bail Organa and Jar Jar going and negotiating with the Toy Darians? Is it, am I getting this, yeah. these planets right? Toydaria. He went to the planet of Toy Daria, which were basically the, the, Wada, uh, the Wada race, right? And they, they're trying to talk the... Do you guys remember what, the, what that species is called? Did either one of y'all write that down? I remember that. The, for I don't which know if they said it. For the, like, what is Wada? The, the race of people that they were going and talking to, trying to get their support so that they could build a base there. Anyway, they go there. They're trying to negotiate uh, the ability to build a base so that they can, they can supply, um, uh, you know, supply relief to other parts of the galaxy. Um, and then uh, one of the uh, Trade Federation members shows up and basically has an argument with Bail Organa and Jar Jar on one side, and then the Trade Federation guys on the other side um, about whether or not they're going to allow them to, uh, to establish that, that, that base. He ends up letting them... Uh, make a supply run on that trip, but he does not allow them to build a base, at least in that first episode. In the second episode, he has, he's actually with, uh, he, he's supposed to meet Yoda in secret on this planet, but um, I guess the Trade Federation finds out about it, uh, or excuse me, the Separatists, not the Trade Federation, the Separatists find out about it and they go and try to, to head him off and stop Yoda and then strong arm the uh, Toydarians uh, into an, an allegiance with them. Um, Yoda has to fight his way through it, but is able to to go and, and deliver the able to go have the meeting with the king of the Toydarians or the ruler, the head guy of the Toydarians, and they they basically agree to to I guess join the join the Republic side, you know, and at least allowing them to to build bases and, and use their planet as a as a as a base there. So that that spans two episodes. Going back to the clones, one of the things that I thought was interesting. Uh, in this episode was when Yoda asks them to remove their helmets. They take their helmets off and Yoda's like, hey, you all are, one of them says, one of the clones says something to the effect of, we all look the same. And Yoda said, well, and the force, very different to each one of you. I thought that was kind of, they're trying to show, I think, that the Jedi are, are respectful of the clones um, as individual human beings. What were some of the things that stood out to you in this arc, Drew? Organa is stubborn. <laughs> um, I guess the first thing that I was really surprised at at the arc, the first episode, was when um, he lands on Toy Daria. And, you know, the, the fly guy, whatever they're called, I'm not going to remember that either. Um, their species, he's like, we're a friendly people. We will show you hospitality. You can land here and fuel up and get more food. But... Um, we're, we're closed off worlders. We're not going to let you off. And Orkan's like, I'm going through. And <laughs> I'm like, you know, they have guns right there pointed at him. And I'm like, they're being pretty nice. I mean, they're being very hospitable, like land here, get your stuff and you can leave. Um, you know, we mean, you no harm, whatever. But he was like, no, I'm just going to ignore you. Do whatever I want. It's like, wow, that's kind of stubborn. <laughs> so, uh, that was a little bit of a, a shock for me when I first saw that looking at, I don't know, that's how I took it anyways. 
I, you know, I really like seeing his stubbornness and, and I like seeing him in this so far. He's one of my favorite characters uh, because we know he, he basically raised Leia. And so, you know, Leia is stubborn and, and kind of looking for the similarities there between uh, basically huh. him and, and him raising Leia and how she acts later in the uh, original trilogy. I, I, I don't know if all that was intentional or not, but I like the connect that at least I'm making with it. That's a good connection, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. It was funny, though, too, to me how they, um, Obi-Wan actually recruited him when he sends a little hologram message, and he's like, oh, we have a senator from Naboo there, and, you know, but we think we would, um, I think he said, you are more experienced than the representative diplomat from Naboo who is already there. And he's like, oh, no, Senator Amidala is fantastic. He's like, it's Binks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Binks has no business being a senator. No, he however, doesn't. however, <laughs> I have really disliked that about the uh, episodes two and three. But I, I, after I watched this episode, I did some thinking about it. I still don't like him, but I do think it makes a little bit of sense when you think about the planet Naboo. There's two different races of people, right? There's the land dwellers, Amidala and her people, and then there's the underwater intelligent species so if they're going to have some senators that represent their planet uh, they've got they've got to kind of pull from both species right which is what they do so it's not like it's not like they're just totally on the same uh you know up until the end of episode one they did not get along they were in conflict themselves and so the fact that they are working together as representatives from each race does make a little bit of sense and and i think you have to realize that jar jar at this point is a hero of the Gungans, right? He saved the day. He was credited by Boss Nass. Is that the guy's name? It's Boss Nass, right? I think it's Boss Nass. Uh, Boss Nass credits Jar Jar with uniting uh, those two peoples, right? And when, when after he does that, that's when he makes Jar Jar a general. And then when Jar Jar is a general, he accidentally wins the day <laughs> at the end of episode one. And so he's a war hero. He's respected by their leader. He's kind of gone through that progression and he's a Senator. And one thing I, I didn't, again, I still don't love him as a Senator, but one thing I did like uh, was the fact that they are sort of acknowledging that, okay, we have to put up with him. We have to deal with this. We're going to be nice about it and we got to use him sometimes, but we also need to be aware that occasionally we need to, we need to have not just Jar Jar there. So. <laughs> So do you think they used him appropriately at the uh, royal dinner with the Trade Federation and the Toydarians? No. Is that an appropriate it. tactic? <laughs> Absolutely hated it. That was pretty uh, Stacking the plates and the cups and the, hey, what, what are you looking at? And, yeah. You know, if there is a use for Jar Jar, it's him being adult, though. So yes. This is As a decoy, he is perfect. <laughs> They used him appropriately, but I didn't like this scene either. I thought it was um, really dumb. And then the little, uh, the subordinate of Lot Dodd, who was there, who was like clapping at the end, and he just gets the death stare. <laughs> and I did like that. I did yeah, like that little that bit fun. there. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, uh, one thing I thought was interesting was the uh, the Trodarians, the little the the guys that fly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're like very noble and like, oh, we have to help these people. It's, it's our, our people's way. We have to help them. And then you think back to episode one 
this guy living on, uh, oh, where was he living? Tatooine. Tatooine, yeah. He was, he was not some noble, I want to just help people type of guy, right? He had, mm-hmm. he had the slaves. He was risking Anakin's yeah. life as a kid. Kind of get the idea he's a crooked businessman. Um, and so I thought that was interesting. Uh, obviously, he's not with his people. He's out on obscure Tatooine. Um, but that's just not what I would expect from Trodarians, having only seen uh, Watto, I think is what his name was, Watto Grotto, um, from episode one. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I thought, I thought it was neat to see them in a, in a little bit more civilized role mm-hmm. um, as a contrast. I like Watto. I didn't really like them. I thought they were a little bit boring. In, in fact, I thought this whole episode was kind of boring. Uh, by the end of it, I was like, all right, nah, it's just the, the, all the ambush, political intrigue. Right. But by the time it got to ambush, I was kind of done with it. Oh, yeah. I was I was ready for that that theme to be over, uh, and I didn't enjoy ambush. I think because of how drawn out uh, the one before it was. Okay, I see that. I noticed there was an interesting separation that the Trade Federation was trying to make with the separatists. I've sort of always viewed them as one and the same, and they are. But it's like they're playing both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the political side, they're like, "Hey, we're not we're not separatists. We're just the Trade Federation." But behind the scenes, the Trade Federation leaders are are working against the Republic, right? Um, and I I just thought that was interesting to see them just trying to. Everybody knows, <laughs> right? But they still can't say it, you know, and they still can kind of kind of fall back on they're they're not officially involved, and you can't prove it, you know. Um, so I thought that was interesting. One thing I really liked, if we go to the ambush episode, I did really like watching Yoda in this episode. Mm, I yeah. thought seeing him lead those clone troops was cool. I thought the way he was a leader was really neat. Um, and I loved at the end of it when he goes and actually gets to where he's facing Ventress. Ventress held her own against Obi-Wan and Anakin together. And Yoda just like waves a hand and she's done (laughs) just he is overpowered (laughs) and i actually really like that i love seeing yoda uh the contrast between the way yoda was able to deal with ventress and the way that anakin and obi-wan struggled against ventress uh yoda is a beast um and that was definitely established in this episode yeah a couple of fun quips with her too like verbally back and forth so one other thing that this episode just i don't know it was funny to me was um, the droids firing at the escape pods. One of the droids looks to the other and says, you know, what a terrible shot. And then the other one replies, oh, well, it's my programming. And um, <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> and then I got to thinking, are droids actually up in the ships with joysticks, like actually aiming? Is that <laughs> like, that sounds absurd, but. <laughs> There, there is a weird uh, dynamic with that. It's like the way that our technology is now, in a lot of ways, is much more advanced than Star Wars tech. <laughs> like it was a long computer, time ago, right? In a galaxy sure. far, far away. So, I mean, we've come a long way, right? <laughs> right, but they have had huge advancements in like, uh, like their starship technology, the way that they're able to seal off their cockpits. It's never like a cockpit leaks, you know? Um, they don't ever really struggle with normal space struggles. Space travel is just like driving a car to them, you know, but, um, but then they just can't program, <laughs> program computers to, to do really advanced things. Like, like it seems like we can. So, um, 
uh, obviously there's some things about that. Well, most things really about their, their droids that are much, much more advanced than any kind of robotics we have. But there's also things that are just like, when we get to the point as a society where we can have droids that function with those kind of capabilities, it's going to be scary. Those things are going to be unstoppable and they're going to miss like stormtroopers miss, you know, it's, they're going to be beasts. That was pretty much it. I like the planet. That's about all, all I had to, all I had to say about, about that episode left, I think. So it's a cool planet. Um, uninhabited, beautiful world that they were all uh, having to, having to fight on. All right, let's talk about the malevolence arc. So three parts to this. Um, part one, they've heard about this weapon. Um, they don't know what it is, but these Republic ships keep just being destroyed. Uh, they start the Republic star destroyers keep just getting wiped out. Uh, a little weird to call them star destroyers, isn't it? I guess that's what they are. But I'm just so used to thinking star destroyer is it is that that's the bad guy ship. But technically, they're 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 Republic ships at this point. Uh, but these star destroyers. Um, get wiped out because there's this uh, huge ship that in the first episode has Dooku and uh, Grievous, General Grievous, both running. Um, in the later episodes, Dooku goes off and does something else and leaves Grievous in charge of the ship. But, uh, but this ship has a, a basically a huge EMP blast that it sends that disables all electronics on their, um, their enemy vessels. Uh, and then they just go out and, and slaughter everyone on the ships. Um, after they have either with the lasers from their, from their ship. And then if they, they shoot off the escape pods in this episode, and obviously there's little pods floating around space of different clones. There's even a Jedi in one of them. And then they send out their uh, hunter units to go and destroy those, those pods afterward so that there are no survivors so that nobody can know the details for as long as possible about what this weapon. Okay. Uh, but basically what happens is there's a, what's the Jedi's name? Do either one of y'all remember the Jedi in this episode? He has the weird metal eye pieces. And Plo then, Kloon. Uh, uh, Plo Kloon. Plo Kloon. That's what it is. Plo Kloon. So Plo Kloon is in one of those escape pods and the Star Destroyers, they get hit by this EMP blast. Um, and Anakin and uh, Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Is it Ahsoka or Ahsoka? S-H or just S? I think Ahsoka. Ahsoka go Ahsoka, and, and yeah. Ahsoka. Okay. And they, uh, they basically go and they're trying to save Plo Koon because Plo Koon apparently is the person who, uh, would you say recruited? Took her Found away her, as a youngling yeah, took her away, yeah. <laughs> and brought her to the, to the Jedi her, temple for huh? training. Right? <laughs> kidnapped her. Uh, preyed on her as an orphan or whatever it, whatever the case may be. Okay. <laughs> um, but she has an affinity. Uh, she has some Stockholm syndrome toward him, I guess. <laughs> And wants to go save him. <laughs> Her and Anakin go out and they say from one of these escape pods, they end up discovering the, the malevolent ship. In the next episode, the ship is going after a medical base full of clones that are being rehabilitated. And that episode is basically about Anakin and uh, Ahsoka flying a bomber troop together into hopefully destroy their intention is to destroy the malevolence and save the medical base, the Camino uh, medical base where they are rehabilitating troops that have been injured in battle. And then um, the, the, and they're able to do that. They end up, they end up destroying the ship uh, because they're, they're willing to fly through a nebula, whereas the malevolence has to go around it. I'm sure we'll talk about the nebula at some point here because that's a pretty cool part. 
Uh, and then the third episode is about them basically chasing it down with some Star Destroyers. Obi-Wan's chasing it down to finish them off. And I guess Palpatine, uh, Darth Sidious, sends Amidala, arranges for Amidala to fly into this sector and get captured. Um, uh, I, I'm sure it's portrayed as a miscommunication, but, um, but Amidala ends up, Padme ends up um, being captured on the malevolence and then Anakin, they stop firing on it. And then Anakin and Obi-Wan go onto the ship uh, to try to save her and C-3PO from being captured so that they can then destroy this ship. Well, they end up destroying it and Grievous escapes, but, but they do end up destroying the ship. Okay. What did y'all think about these episodes? This arc? Few thing, yeah. A few things I, I, I really liked. Um, so I liked the, uh, uh, just random. I liked the, the bomber. I don't know if they called them Y-Wings or not, but yeah. I like anytime there's a, uh, like a reference uh, visually to something that's going to happen in the originals or has happened in the originals. I, I always get more excited about Star Wars, whether it's prequels or, or the, uh, uh, I don't know, are they called post schools? Sequels. Sequels, yeah. Uh, it, when I see some kind of strong reference. And, I mean, it's, it's very similar. Even the color, you see a lot of yellow Y-wing uh, throughout the, uh, the original trilogy. So I love that. I love that it was like a, a not as good version of the Y wings we see later. And then uh, the uh, the ion cannon they called it um, the the ion cannon that was in there. We see an ion cannon later in uh, episode five, um, and when they are escaping Hoth, the way they let the ships get by is the rebellion fires an ion cannon at a star destroyer disabling it temporary to where the uh, ship can fly by. So I liked all that. I mean, oh, it's like a, it's yeah. a cruder version. I, I assume, I, I guess uh, it's a, it's a spaceship mounted version um, versus the one that was on the ground stationary at Hoth. And so again, those things that tie it back to the originals for me are what me yeah, or what cool. make me really uh, get excited about the episodes. And then there was one other thing. It was when they were about to fire the ion cannon. It looked very similar to the the scene we see when the Death Star is yeah. is charging up. Um, oh, okay. Instead of that. green lightning, it was purple lightning going through like the how they're I don't know the names for everything, but how it was charging up that weapon. So those were like the highlights. Uh, I, I, out of everything we watched this time, these were my favorite uh, series uh, arc. But and because of those ties to the original. Sure. That's cool. I, I definitely didn't think about the ion cannon. I was actually trying to think, I don't know if we've seen an ion cannon anywhere else and couldn't think of anything. Um, but that's awesome. I love that. That was, that was there. Yeah. I didn't even know, make that they were connection. Using for empire. Yeah. To episode five. I didn't even make that connection then, but I did, I didn't make the one like you did uh, how it was similar graphically to the death star. I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Um, only instead of there's people standing there, there's those um, brass dro looking droids standing there on the side. Uh, I loved General Grievous. I thought he was awesome. He's creepy. He's brutal. He's angry. And uh, it made me really like his character. And I started to want to learn a little bit more about him. I don't know if I knew this before or not, but, um, but I researched it a little bit. Apparently, he was some sort of a lizard species who basically just submitted himself to, to experimentation in merging his body with droid technology to become stronger. 
and there's just most he's mostly robot now but he was originally a lizard man and so when they like zoom in on his eyes they're lizard eyes because even though he's pretty much just a robot now his core is still he's got a heart and he's got a lizard a lizard body and i always thought it was so stupid when when they had general grievous coughing i was like why is a robot coughing this is so stupid well he's not a robot he's not just a robot he is he is mostly robot at this point um but in the same way that darth vader is uh, mostly robot. And, and so I actually appreciated General Grievous a lot more. I liked his portrayal in this episode a lot. And he wasn't coughing. Did y'all notice that? Yeah, now that you say that. I, I did, he not, did he not kind of start hacking at one point? I thought he did. Maybe it was just... I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm wondering if at some point in this series, we'll discover why he has a cough. And he did I suspect, a lot in three. Yeah. I mean, a, Maybe coronavirus. COVID-19. Probably. <laughs> <it is>. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the middle. Uh, somebody could be listening to this podcast in a few years and be like, what? Oh, oh, God, that was a long time ago. <laughs> but uh, this is when we're all on, on still on semi lockdown uh, from coronavirus here uh, when, when this is being recorded. <laughs> so, um, but uh, anyway, uh, really liked Grievous. Yep. I did too. Dude. I liked when he uh, basically defied, uh, Dooku. What's his name? Dooku, right at the end there, and cut off transmission with him, and and sped off while his uh, while his ship sure. blasted into the moon. Yeah, you know, I like that. He's not afraid of Dooku. He, he's he's working with him, but I don't get the idea where you know you have a lot of villains that that everybody's afraid of, and I I would think Dooku would be one of those, but not with Grievous. Grievous is like whatever. So, do you think since Siths always come in pairs that he is? planning secretly to maybe try and defeat or overthrow Dooku to become Sidious's number two at some, I don't know. I, I'm just asking. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of got the impression that him and Ventress are in, in a similar category where they are like top, um, top ech- echelon pawns uh, for the pair up of Dooku and, uh, and Sidious. Ventress the rule of two, seems... I think still applies here. Yeah. Ventress just seems still submissive to Dooku from what I, you know, what we've seen so yeah. far. Yeah, you're right. Um, the first episode, Rising Malevolence, the pod hunters, that was creepy. creepy. Man. Yeah. It, it played out like a horror thriller type of plot storyline there to where, you know, they come across the first pod that's been destroyed. Oh, let's turn it around. They're all dead. Later on in the story, we come to the next pod. We hear the crying for help. And then we actually get, you know, they see with their own eyes what's happening. And then they see the end result of what happened. And then it comes, you know, it's coming straight for them. I mean, they did a great job at slowly building up the tension. You know, like what's actually happening here? Because you saw the pod hunters get sent off from the uh, separatist ship. But you didn't really know how with that first one they destroyed it. And, but then you get to see it. And so they just did a really good job at you know, building up the climax uh, for that whole bit right there and really did a good job, I thought, of making it believable and actually bringing some of the tension to the audience. And it didn't seem contrived. It actually seemed genuine. Yeah, 100%. I thought that was an awesome scene. So I, Awesome uh, element there. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. I, I liked that whole thing. Um, not to be too critical. Uh, but Go why ahead. Not just shoot, why not just shoot the pods? Uh, why latch onto them and then get out a blowtorch and like go at the windows um, when you could just shoot them? I um, actually, but, had, yeah, I, <laughs> I thought because because they had the crusher. I'm like, 
why do you have to go through the trouble of blow <laughs> right. to just like crush the thing? Yeah. Maybe it was, uh, maybe it was more like minimal resources. They're trying to minimize resources here. Just take care of them in the most efficient way possible. Maybe or the pods scary. are shielded and it would, yeah, or just guess really what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's really what it is. You can't ask those kind of questions. <laughs> There's too many things in Star Wars that don't make sense. Come on. <laughs> um, okay. I want to know what you thought, John, about the, uh, I was thinking about you and really wondering what you were going to think about the, the, the space mantis. When they fly through the nebula in the second, the second episode of this arc, and there's these huge manta ray with big old mouths and teeth flying yeah. through space. So I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan okay. of. I'm not a fan of any time we see a a alien that lives in space uh, okay. feeding off of. I think they call them gas eaters. Yeah, yep. gas gulpers. Uh, so I guess yep. they're they're just out there eating. Oh, oh <laughs> gas. Uh, like don't shoot them you'll make them mad um but we can graze them with our spaceship and not make them um uh, just not a huge fan of uh, of that anytime it appears in star wars i like uh, on the contrast i like when we see massive fish uh under the water in naboo um but just the thought of like these uh these spaceship eating monsters that fly around in gas that's in space uh, is not my favorite, uh, uh, favorite theme anytime. Okay. Did you like uh, the, I looked at the name, the Exogorth, do you know what I'm talking about? On the asteroid in the original trilogy, same category. Yes, I do. Uh, okay. But because asteroids don't have atmospheres. It's, this is just a creature living out in space. But- they don't, but, uh, and of course it's a stretch for me, but I got to justify it somehow. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that asteroid could have once been part of a planet um, okay. that was full of these things. They got blown apart. Now it's floating around in space, uh, feeding on whatever. Okay. All right. I, I loved them. I thought the space mantises were really cool, but I also liked in Solo. You remember in Solo, you have like the, yeah. uh, like the octopus monster. <laughs> right. And you also like Jar Jar. Yeah, I like Jar Jar. So I mean, my opinion is irrelevant. <laughs> you can discount it, but, but I did like them. I thought they were really cool. I love basically anytime you see some kind of massive, weird space creature, I don't care what the context, it's not hard to win me over on that stuff. <laughs> the kaiju sized, like, uh, you know, monster threats are, are, are my deal. I just, I just love it. I liked it, but for a very different reason, this actually, you know, in in a world of fantasy, when there is some scientist, uh, scientific accuracy, I, I, as a science teacher, I just like, Oh good. That's fun. Um, and so when Ahsoka's like, Oh, the gas gulpers, look at them. It's like, wow, for a nebula. That's true because nebulas are made out of ionized gas of hydrogen, helium. Wow. Good job of actually being scientifically accurate on what a nebula is. So, okay. Yeah. Cool. I mean, that's, you know, the science teacher and me enjoyed that. Drew, did you like Padme in this episode? This arc? <laughs> it is becoming so clear that Padme is going to become the Princess Peach, damsel in distress, whatever you want to call the character. For the rest of the series. Okay. The fact that all of us, I, I was just like, oh, wow. I thought we were pretty much done, you know, with the malevolence tree, the ship. And then 
all of a sudden there she is. And it's because, well, she having a meeting with the bankers association or something um, that, that just, that's right. You know, yeah. yeah something like that. And I'm like, I don't know the fact that she's going to, I'm afraid she's going to, cause we saw her get captured in the movie and they had to sort of rescue her there. Now she gets captured again. So I'm just fearful that this is going to become a, a trend they're going to use often. <laughs> I, I felt about her kind of like I did about 99 in the first episode. They just came across to me as very stiff characters. Um, and I was disappointed. I, I actually really like Padme in the prequel. So I think she's pretty cool. I think there's some acting issues. Again, not, I don't think it's her fault as an actress, but, but I, I do think there's some acting elements there that are great. But overall, I, I like her portrayal on two and three. And I, I didn't like it in the at all. It just seemed like they took away all of her charm and made it a very stiff, unlikable character. And, and so that's, that's kind of how, how I felt about her. John, did you have any thoughts there? Yeah, so, so I, I did not care for her portrayal here. Uh, I think I, I am going to be okay if she continues to be the, the, the Princess Peach um, because <laughs> of how much we know Darth Sidious pulls strings. So does he... Is he going to continue mm-hmm. to intentionally put her in danger to continue to make Anakin worry about her? Right. Um, yeah. To continue to drive what eventually turns him into Vader. Um, and, and hey, if, if she died in this episode, could he have turned him into Vader sooner? Hey, let's, let's bring her back to life, right? Let's, let's bring her back. I like some of the droid humor in this episode. I noticed uh, it, I really think the droids are funny. And I, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I remember thinking when they got into the ship that was rigged to explode and Grievous realized it and he booked it, they said something funny to each other. And then outside the ship, they were trying to put, put out the fire and one of them lost control and was just being blown around with the fire hose and going, Wah! Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I just love that they're, they're just incapable goofballs. <laughs> oh, and there was one other thing that made me think of that too, Cliff. On the train that Grievous was on, if you remember, when it stopped at this train station and he got off, there was a, like a, a message, like a computer audio message, like, mind the gap, mind the gap. Oh, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I, I could just see a droid like falling through. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I didn't notice that. I was like, why are they needing this for droids? Can't they just program them to not step on gaps? <laughs> I don't know. It's my programming. <laughs> it's my programming. Um Pretty cool force force catch on Padme when she's jumping from train to train. I thought that was a cool part. Yeah, that's about all I have to say about this arc. Anything else? All right, last episode, part two of the uh, the Domino Squad trilogy. We have the clones are being rushed into service. They said so. Um, I guess there's a shortage of troops. And so they're having to take some less experienced clones and put them into battle a lot earlier than they would, would otherwise prefer to um, because of that. And so we get this uh, domino squad being deployed uh, way before they are really ready to, it sounds like, uh, or would normally be ready to. They are put on this moon. They think it's a boring deployment. I think at least heavy. It wasn't heavy, the one who kept complaining about it. Like, oh, man, I hate this. I want to be on the front lines. Yeah. Uh, this base is actually really important because it's the base that is sort of the lookout for the planet Camino, which is where their new troops come from. So the separatists launch this assault on Camino, but they do, they have to take out this moon base first. And so they send in, uh, what did they call them? 
black, they were like a black ops droid. Oh, they called them U Command. Yeah, Commando droids. That's what it was. Uh, and so they they send these droids in to take over the base, so that the Separatists can send a fleet past that moon and go attack uh, the production facility on Camino. All right. So this is the Domino Squad is deployed on this moon when this attack occurs, and I think a couple of them die in that initial assault. There's three of them left whenever they they actually escape and are wandering around on the moon's surface um, with gigantic space caterpillars, which I also liked. <laughs> caterpillars, is that what they were? Some kind of space worm. I think they're called sort. an eel. The eel. Yeah, that's right. Space yeah, eels eel. or something like that. The eels. Greasy right. eel. Yeah. They, uh, anyway, the uh, the eels that are on that um, planet, they, they, the eels never really came into play now that I think about it. They never really did much with them. Um, but, but I like that they were there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had them eat one of the guys. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, they have to... Uh, figure out what to do to, to get the message out that there's an attack going on and what ends up happening by the end of it. Um, uh, they, well, they meet up with Rex and Cody, uh, Rex and Cody both show up and have to team up with this little troop to go and infiltrate the base that has been taken over by droids. And they decide that they're going to destroy it so that the signal that they're continually sending out to the, uh, to the Republic forces is interrupted and they know something's up and can go and, 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 and arrive and take care of whatever it is um, and stop the separatist assault. Uh, this, this secret separatist led by general Grievous. So, um, so they, they end up doing it, but they, in order to do it, heavy ends up giving his, right. Um, he, they set these charges. Um, they're not quite ready for it or something's wrong with it. I forget exactly what it is. So he says, you guys go, I'll catch up with you in a minute. Um, but then he ends up having to manually detonate it while he is being shot to death by droids. And I uh, really liked the moment the droid said, ah, do we take prisoners? And he, Heavy said, I don't. And hits the, 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 the activate button, or the, the, uh, you know, the button to set off the bomb. The base blows up. The Jedi show up. Grievous runs away. And so we don't have much of the Domino squad left. I think there's just maybe two members left. I'm not sure who they are. Maybe fives. And who's the other one? Do you know, Drew? Echo? Echo. Yeah, that's not, I don't think that's because Cut Up was the one eaten by the eel. Okay. And heavy well, maybe they were sacrificed himself. One of them got killed on that initial assault, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So that's, and if there's five total, then yeah, that would be two left. So they did also mention, I thought this was interesting, uh, that Ventress is a spy on Camino right now. Um, um, maybe that'll come up later. I'm not sure, but she is either on Camino as a spy now or was on Camino as a spy at some point. Obviously a very heavily defended operation. She's a very stealthy person to be selected to be doing that for the, uh, for the separatists. Um, I liked Rex's character here as well. And that's yeah. probably the last thing that, I, that really stood out to me about this episode. Cody didn't stand out to me that much, but one of the things I really liked about Rex is when they were going in to the base, I think maybe heavy said, let me go first. And Rex said, I always go first, kid. And I just liked Rex. Is like, no, I'm leading the charge. I'm leading the way. Uh, uh, just cool. I, I just thought it was a cool moment. And I'm starting to really like Rex. Um, yeah. I feel like he's going to be the main character uh, among the droids. I feel like I've seen his little bunny ears that are above his eye, <laughs> his eye patches or whatever, eye sockets in some promotional material for later in the series. So I kind of, I kind of have an inkling that he's going to be significant. So maybe that has predisposed me to want to warm up to him. 
but I did think he had a pretty cool, a couple pretty cool moments as one of the more seasoned and experienced and talented of the, of the clone troops and brave, courageous. Rex definitely has um, the good genes. Like, you know, we talk about the good and bad <laughs> earlier in the Domino Squad episode. He definitely got the good ones because uh, when they're first flying in for the inspection that they're doing, Rex and Cody are doing, uh, even though the commando droids have already taken over the base, you know, they have the uh, clone trooper helmet on. He's like, we're, we're coming in for inspection. But the clone ends it, or I'm sorry, the, the droid ends it disguised as a clone by saying, Roger, Roger. And Rex is like, wait, we'll see about that, you know, and something. And then right, he's also, yeah. he catches on to that. He's also the one that basically fires a shot through the head of the commando droid, who's, you know, disguised as a clone. And then Cody's like, whoa, mm. what's that all about? So yeah, right. he does cool that. Moment. He comes up with a plan to destroy the base. Um, so I don't know. He just, he seems with it overall, uh, you know. Um, oh, when, uh, the other thing that I was made me think of that is when they're trying to get back into the base and he has the, the I guess, the with itness to be able to like hold up the commando droid head um, to the camera so that they can actually go through. So he's, he's definitely the smartest clone, I think, um, we've seen. Yeah, actually both did that to each other. There was one point where the droid put a clone helmet on and changed mm-hmm. his voice. And then there was this other point where the clones used the droid head. Uh, so they were both using that tactic against each other. It's Deception kind of everywhere. Yeah. Right. Overall, I thought it was, a, it was an all right. Obviously, I had the growth jar comment in this one. So I, I, I actually really, I'm, I'm just very intrigued to continue to learn about the messed up use of clones throughout this, this series. And that's one of the things I'm looking forward to most. Um, and, and I'm also the most afraid that I'm going to be disappointed on how they handle it, but we'll see what happens. Okay. This week we will watch, uh, through three of the arcs in this series. First one is a two episode arc, the rescue of R2D2. Then we'll watch a three episode arc, the capture of Newt Gunray. And then a two episode arc will cap it off the Dooku duology yeah and so we're not going to get part three of of this domino squad until week eight actually so it's going to be wild till we see domino squad again maybe they'll appear in some other places i don't know but at least uh as far as how this this website that we're using organizes it there's uh, not part that three of squad left either i mean there's only i know <laughs> that's right yeah so i guess we'll figure out where they where they end up um, but it's going to be a while, probably, before we hear from them again. I don't know. Maybe it won't be. But um, but that episode's not for a while. Anyway, uh, thank you, guys. And look forward to talking to you all again next week. Uh, if you want to email us, you can reach us at the Star Wars, or excuse me, not the, just Star Wars Brothers Podcast at gmail.com. There's no V at the front of that. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And thanks for listening. I guess I'll clean up the droids then. And with that statement right there, we just lost whatever listener we had.